and welcome to episode number 108 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we go down all the big bets, all the big happenings, all of the big occurrences here in this crazy gambling industry podcast can be found at Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, every place that you get your podcast needs. Please go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We do appreciate that at the Lions US at PlayPix US. On the Twitter machine, of course, we are going to talk baseball. In this very episode, we're going to talk about what's going on over in the golf world. There's some pretty interesting things that we are starting to see come out of these first couple of tournaments here. We'll talk about that and, of course, preview the Travelers as well. There's a bunch of states that we don't really talk about that uh, do have live sports betting, so we want to keep you guys kind of up to date on where all of that is, and there's going to be some, at least one, Big name in one of the contenders for the championship that is not going to be making the trip to Orlando. We'll talk about that and what that might mean for your betting needs as well. But Brett, here we are. Baseball is actually officially going to happen, uh, barring, I guess, some sort of catastrophe. We're looking at a 60-game season. Training camps are going to fire up here at the beginning of July with opening day targeted for July the 24th and so here we are. Yeah, this is this is going to be an unusual season. There is so much to unpack here that is different than every other season, which is exciting cuz when you're you're looking at some of these futures odds at sports books right now, I feel like I feel like there are a lot of opportunities that have not been accounted for in the market. So we can start breaking that down. Yeah, the regular season is going to end around the end of September. The postseason should wrap up around the end of October. Some of the things that are different here, if you didn't uh, follow this yesterday, teams are going to kind of play geographically. So each team will play 10 games against their four division rivals. So that's 40 of the 60 games if you're doing the math right there. As far as the other 20 games, it'll be four games each against the other five clubs that are in that corresponding division in the other league. So, of course, the 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 West would play the West, the Central play the Central, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how the 60 games will break down for these teams. Uh, you heard of the rumor, and it is true that there is going to be the universal DH. Now, the reasoning behind this being that, hey, Shorten training camps, uh, shorten season, want to keep pitchers healthy, want to make sure that these teams have as as you know fair of a chance as humanly possible. So let's keep these guys from swinging bats. Let's keep these guys from running the base paths. And the National League will have a DH for the entirety of the season. So let's start with this one here. There's another interesting rule change. We'll see. I want to see what you think about that one, Brett. But let's start with the universal DH here. I mean, one, I've been rooting for this for the longest time anyway. Nobody wants to see a pitcher bat. Um, it's just, it takes away from the game. It gives extra positions if you want to, uh, if you get DHs involved in the game as well. So I'm a big fan of that. So for me, I am a big fan of the universal DH anyway. But if, you know, in theory, if we are taking the pitcher out of the lineup and we're putting a hitter in the lineup, should we be looking at overs early in the season? I know we typically look at unders early in the season because we're talking about 
this being, you know, starting in a lot of these places, I think people don't you know, realize since we've hadn't had baseball in so long, but you know, I mean, baseball season typically starts where there's cold weather in a lot of cities. I mean, we've seen snow games several times, you know, in those first couple months of the season, we're going to be starting at, you know, in the, in the heat of July here. So we're talking hot, humid, no cold weather games whatsoever. So um, may, maybe do we lean overs here a little bit? Maybe, or is there an overcorrection right away with so many people having that same thought? I mean, there are other there are other rule changes here that impact over-unders too, like the, the extra innings rule, which we'll talk about in a second. But we're going to have to talk to, we'll, we'll get Johnny Avello or Jeff Sherman on the podcast to talk about this because there's there's a lot they need to adjust for starting with the, the, the DH in the National League because I feel like a lot of people will be going after the overs early on because of that. So I, yeah, don't, I, mean, I don't know. I guess you and I will just kind of have to see what they look like when the lines actually officially start to come out and we can give our best insight to the listeners here as to what we think. I mean, you know, as a rule of thumb, if you were looking at a total in a game and it was two good pitchers going at it, you were looking at about a seven and a half. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you were looking at two kind of middling pitchers, eight, eight and a half would be something you would look at. If one of the pitchers was a gas can, you could see nines, nine and a half. So if it was two kind of low-level pitchers, we've seen double digit, especially with the rise of, you know, the quote-unquote juiced ball era and different things like that. We've seen 10-plus run totals uh, kind of on the regular. Now, are we going to see nine-pluses on the regular more often now? I guess we will have to figure out whenever these lines start to get set a little bit. And, Brett, you and I aren't conspiracy theory guys, but – you know, look, they've talked about this juice ball era. I think we've seen it play out before in previous seasons. Do you think there's any chance in the world that Major League Baseball tries to make fans forget about all these shenanigans, tries to make fans forget about the fact that they almost didn't play a season this entire year and comes out with the hottest ball we've ever seen happen <laughs> in the history of balls. Because, I mean, you know, fans love offense and fans, love, you know, they say chicks dig the long ball. No, everybody digs the long ball and home runs and, and runs getting scored are things people love to see. You know, you and I might get me, you and I as baseball purists might love a one nothing two one pitchers duel of a game. The general public does not, and they want to see the eight to eight to six games and the ten to seven games and things like that. I'll put it this way again: I'm not Captain Conspiracy Theory, but it would not surprise me if they had to make the choice between one ball and another, and one ball is known to probably fly further than the other that they were to choose that ball. If Major League Baseball had a choice, yes. But some of these pitchers have come out and they've been so vocal about this. Trevor Bauer and, and Justin Verlander and, and all these guys are talking about this and have been talking about this. I don't, I don't think Major League Baseball would do it just to avoid any more controversy with that. Um, would it be better for the game long term? Yeah. People love runs. So... I totally get that side I, of it, um, but yeah. are we are I mean, we using something? Are we we'll using that guess, to yeah. yeah? Are we using that to like sway where we're leaning on a total? No, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna. I'm not just gonna anticipate that they're using juice balls before the season starts. So I'm I'm just piling on overs. I'm not gonna do that. 
Yeah, no, but I do think it's something we could probably, I mean, look, we're only going to have small sample sizes, right? So like, we're going to have to make, we're going to have to jump to some conclusions this season as it is, because it's, you know, baseball, one of the things we harp on so often is the reason we, we bet baseball and play baseball the way that we do is because we have such a large sample size and over the course of the season, it should play out like we think. Well, we're not going to have that this year, no matter what. I mean, everything is going to be a small sample size. So, I mean, I think like, first you know dozen 15 games of the year we're going to have to make a decision here and figure out whether we think that you know that runs are just going to be scored at a higher rate be it because of the ball be it because of starting in the in the heat of the summer be it because whatever it might be or maybe it's completely the opposite right and maybe it's like oh no there are not near as many runs being scored because these pitchers are just way ahead of these hitters and some of these guys are you know not going to have a chance to to catch up and I think it's another thing that you and I will have to really kind of monitor over the first couple weeks of the season and again make a kind of make a snap judgment and we may be right we may be wrong but there's a decent chance that these pitchers just come out way ahead of of these hitters right I mean they're over COVID, it is much easier to, you know, throw some bullpens and do different things like that than it is for a hitter to kind of like get into his peak shape. You know, I, I think that pitchers doing their their work on on the treadmill and just, you know, long tossing and throwing, you know, not even you don't even need a catcher. Right. I mean, like you can just throw bullpens into some little, you know, apparatus at the end that, that, uh, that, that blocks the ball for you or something like that. Um, I think that my first inkling here is that the pitchers are going to have a, a much bigger advantage over the hitters, but um, I don't know. I could be proven wrong. I think you're right. I, arm, arm fatigue is definitely going to play a factor because it's not going to be a problem for some of these guys. As you get into August and September, uh, they're going to be fresh. So again, that's another reason why I, I kind of I'm looking at unders early. Just I do th- I do feel like people are going to be excited to to jump on the overs because you're you're you know you're going into the season in the middle of the summer. The ball is going to be flying off the bat. But yeah, pitchers do. I think pitchers will have an advantage. The other thing we haven't talked about yet is the, the extra innings rule, which will also have an impact on the over unders because you're gonna oh, you're yeah. gonna start. First of all, 10% of games last year went to extra innings. That's a lot. And then you're going to start extra innings with a, a man on second base for both teams. So suddenly you're going to have more scoring opportunities than extra innings for both squads. Uh, and you have to factor that in to, to your, your totals. So I don't, I don't envy some of these odds makers right now and how they plan uh, on setting totals for these games because I wouldn't even know where to start really. Yeah, I mean, we don't know really how much this is going to impact games. Of course, they've been dabbling with this in the minors a little bit. Uh, I did see a statistic, at least in the minors. And again, we're, it's, it's a different game in the minors than it is in the in the pros, but it's all we have to to draw from here is that the majority of the games, like the vast majority of the games, only went that extra inning, right? Only went the 10th inning because starting that guy on second, right. the, the guy was scoring a lot of times, right? And so we weren't having these 11, 12, 13, 14 inning games. Uh, the majority of them were done in the 10th. And so that leads you to believe right there that, you know, at least one run is getting scored in this 10th inning 
you know, uh, more times than not. And then, like you said, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's even more runs being scored as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, with a with the guys getting multiple hits or whatever it might be. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very fascinating here. But I still consider, you know, a lot of the things that we were talking about and we'll have, uh, you know, all of our thoughts and breakdowns and things like that over the next few weeks over at the lines and play picks is how we are going to kind of take this season here. But Brett, I think one of the first things that I'm going to be doing, cause I actually even got asked this already by a couple of my friends, like, you know, how are you even going to, to go about this? And I am going to find teams that have three really good pitchers. And I am literally going to just X off most of the other teams that don't. And I will start my research with those teams because I don't think any team is going to come out and say it that they're going to go with a three-man rotation. Um, I think majority of them will probably go at least start with a four-man and then kind of see how it goes from there. But when it gets to crunch time, like let's say you're getting to the last two weeks of the season where you're still playing a quarter of the games, right? I mean, you know, like we're, you're, you're still playing a ton of games in, in crunch time here that can really just vault you up the, uh, up the uh, divisional standings or whatever. If you can just trot out, you know, two studs and then in a, and, and then an above average uh, starter and just go with a three man rotation. I imagine that's what these teams will do because you're, you're with such a short season. They're not making a ton of starts as it is anyway. Yeah. They might be coming back on short rest, but they haven't had the workload that they've had all season long in a, in a typical season here. So uh, it would not surprise me to see these teams just run out their studs over and over and over again. And we've seen it. These studs can just win games over and over and over again. And, and those are going to be the teams that I'm looking at. Yeah, I'm with you. And I've actually, I mean, those are the teams I've already got tickets on. Uh, teams that have like longer than 20 to one odds who have or strong, who has depth, depth in the bullpen and are strong at the top of their rotation. The Rays, I've already got tickets on. The Reds, I love the Reds. They're, they're, you can get them at 50 to one to win the World Series right now. They've got, Sonny Gray, Bauer, and Castillo at the top of that rotation. That's a great start. Right. <laughs> like those, right. yeah, I'm with you. And even a team like you go all the way to the bottom, like the Rangers, three veteran starters. Nobody's looking at. They got Kluber, Minor, Lance Lynn. I mean, that's that's another team that could start hot and, and make a run. So I'm with you. I, I think those are the teams I'm looking at too. Um, so I think that's you know a good start. Uh, if if you're going to look for some value in, in these futures markets. So we're looking here at some of these odds that have been posted at our uh, friends over at BetMGM, uh, National League, most valuable player. And you're going to hear a name and you're going to say, like, oh, yeah, that's right. National League. Yeah, Mookie Betts is your favorite to win National League MVP. If you remember, he will be in Dodger Blue this year. Uh, five to one on him. Ronald Acuna Jr., six to one. Cody Bellinger. Coming in at seven to one, Christian Yelich, eight to one. Those are all of your shorter than double digit odds guys here. Uh, Juan Soto, Nolan Ornata, uh, Tatis, Harper, Machado, Marte, Baez, Bryant, and Freeman all come in at 25 or shorter there. Once we get to Anthony Rizzo, it starts to get up to 40 to one there, Brett. Um, any of these National League MVP names? kind of jump out at you at all. I mean, look, we know Mookie Betts is a stud. We understand he's playing for one of the best teams on paper in all of baseball. But again, variance, 
short season five to one. I don't know if I'm going to uh, be able to lock my money up on a guy that's five to one. No way. Absolutely not. I think this is a, all of these markets, I think it's worth value hunting, like not near the bottom, but maybe in the middle tier. One thing we know right. for sure is that this baseball season is not going to be anywhere near as predictive as it usually is. There are a hundred fewer games. So the smart play without even really di- like diving into it is to just embrace chaos, embrace randomness and start identifying some teams and players that get hot uh, in this short sample, because that's all it really might take for a guy like Ozzy Albies or Trey Turner to win the MVP at like 50 to 80 to one. I, I could totally see that happening in this small sample. So yeah, I, I can't, I can't fathom putting money down on Mookie Betts and Acuna at these short odds to an MVP when there's just not, there's not enough of a season for them to, to overcome the variance involved. Right. I think people shouldn't discount what we're saying. They're definitely the best players in the game. Like like they're, they're definitely the best players in the game. And there's a reason that their odds are so short because they are likely to be the people who don't go on any sort of extended slump or anything like that, that in again, in a 60 game season could absolutely torpedo your chances at anything. However, when you look down here and you mentioned a couple, but a couple others that kind of jumped off the page at me here, you're looking at a guy like Goldschmidt at 40 to one and Trevor story at four to 40 to one. And are these two dudes that over the course of a shorter shortened season could still hit for power, still hit for average. If your story even steal a few bases in there as well. Um, these are the type of dudes who we know can put up pretty gaudy numbers given any sort of, you know, given any circumstance. And certainly in a short season type uh, deal, I really do like a Goldschmidt story type situation at 40 to one, where you're looking at dudes that can put up all of the numbers that would make voters kind of drool. Yeah. And he's the face of that lineup too. I could, I could, I could get behind a Goldschmidt. I mean, he, he's kind of declined over the years. He years, has, but he's he still, has. he's still putting up nice numbers. Yeah. And I'm just thinking of someone in the course of a short deal who could hit 320, uh, you know, a handful of home runs, steal a handful of bases, get some RBI, like basically kind of fill up a stat sheet. And we kind of know that he fits that profile and even story, you know, I mean, uh, we've seen him, We've seen him hit for average average in stretches. We've seen we obviously know about the power. We know he'll steal you some bases as well. Uh, Forty to one on story, I think, is at least a decent, uh, uh, probably a ticket that I'll have in my account just to uh, j- just to tuck away. Yeah, get behind that. So on the AL MVP side of things, we're looking here at Mike Trout, and this is this is laughable. Um, uh, plus one fifty, yes, uh, one and a half to one on Mike Trout to win the AL MVP. I mean, we understand that Mike Trout is probably the best baseball player to ever have played the sport, but. One and a half to one. If we don't like Mookie Betts or Acuna or any of those guys at five, six, and seven to one, taking Mike Trout at one and a half to one would be something I would never do in a million years. But Brett, someone's doing it for sure. I mean, someone is betting him. I just will not be that guy. I bet a lot of people are betting him. And that's yeah. why I think the AL, you're going to find a little more value on some of these players with all the money coming in on Trout. We'll, we'll definitely keep track of that. And we'll be talking to odds makers to see exactly how much money is coming in 
in some of these markets. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have at least one ticket on the AL MVP just because of all the money that, that will certainly be coming in on, on Trout. Yeah, I think whenever I take a look at this uh, over on the AL MVP side, again, I'm looking for someone that I know can can hit for average as well as have some pop and maybe even throw me in a, a stolen base or two. Now, will they hold things against the Astros this year? I don't know, Brett. I, I want to know. Certainly curious as to your thought as whether you think that they will or not. But you look down at Altuve at 40 to 1. And you know this is a guy that can hit well over 300. You know this is a guy that can hit home runs. And you know this is a guy going to get you a handful of stolen bases to go along with that as well. An MVP caliber player down at 40 to 1. I wonder if the book actually even baked into the fact here on a guy like Altuve that they might hold stuff against the Astros this season. Probably. I think that is baked in, but you've got voters are a fickle bunch, man. They're going to, they are for sure going to hold this against the Astros. I can't, I just, unless Altuve hits like 370, (laughs) I can't see him winning it. I just can't. Right. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy when you look at like it, he's the same odds as, Devers, LeMahieu, Grundahl is just barely over him. Marcus Simeon yeah. is like barely over. And you're talking about Jose Altuve, right? Like a guy that has literally proven year in and year out that he can, can get it done up there. I'll probably sneak a small ticket in on him on the off chance that, like you said, he just does something that, I mean, we've seen this guy hit in the high 300s, right? I mean, like we've seen him hit 330 plus. And so uh, over a short amount of time, Eh, you know, I, I, like you said, I, could could Altuve go for 340 or 350 over a 60 game season? I think he could. Yes. Right. So, um, yes, definitely a guy. I'll probably have a small ticket on and call me a fish. But if he is able to live up to the hype, give me a ticket on Vlad Jr. at 80 to one. Just give me the ticket. I'll take I'll hold on to it at 80 to one. I was looking at that. I think I would need a hundred or more on him. But I. I I understand the reasoning because the, the upside is obviously there. And some of these guys in year two just explode. He was he underwhelmed last year. So I think you're he getting did. a pretty good price on him here at 80 to one. Yeah. And I mean, like another guy you're talking about who kind of kind of underwhelmed, but we we saw flashes and glimpses. Eloy Jimenez as well coming in at 100 to one. There are a lot of people who are kind of high on this White Sox team and you look at him at 100 to 1 another guy that maybe here in kind of that second full season in major league baseball can kind of you know get it done a little bit better here uh, i think Jimenez at 100 to 1 if you're looking to get tickets on these guys that are longer because you don't want to you know wait the uh, the entirety of the season holding a you know a 9 to 1 Aaron Judge ticket you'd rather have something to you're going to make some uh, some decent little money off of I don't mind Jimenez at 100 to 1. Yeah, go and get some of these high pedigree guys before they become stars. So this would be the year to do it for Jimenez, who is pretty awesome. Like he comes out and hits three home runs in the first week of the season. These odds are going to be like they're going to plug. That's the other thing we should I think we should mention here is one thing betters are aware of in the short season is the fact that 
you know, little spurts here are going to mean an incredible amount. So oh, yeah. if if you do like some of these really long shot dudes, like we're talking about, like, a, a you know, a Vlad or a Jimenez, especially some of these dudes who had a lot of hype last year, who, you know, saw it, like, as you mentioned, they just, they just underperformed. And so that's why we're looking at these guys at 80 and a hundred, as opposed to like 40 or 50. However, if, if either one of these dudes comes out and hits three home runs in the first week of the season, these odds are going to be down under 20. So, I mean, like you are never going to see anything even close to this ever again on these dudes. And so, um, you know, even if it's worth putting a, a really small bet in your pocket on somebody like that has these, you know, elite names and certainly these these guys that were super hyped last year and are coming into that year too, like you mentioned, uh, I would at least do that, right? Even if we're talking about, you know, 10 or $20 bet just to have in your, in your pocket before the odds go absolutely haywire. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of guys I'm looking at. I, I mean, I love the Rays this year and mm-hmm. that offense is not great. <laughs> so I, I think <laughs> it, it, it would take a lot for, I mean, they're going to need Austin Meadows to be, the the, uh, the anchor of that offense. So I, I, I love him. I love him as a player. I, I could see him winning an MVP if he gets hot and leads them, especially if they win the AL East, which I think is a possibility. So I, I like Austin Meadows. I would like to get a better price. I can probably shop around. I, I, at 50 to one is kind of like, eh, uh, I'll right. see. I'll see what, other, what else pops up. The other one's Joey Gallo. I mentioned the Rangers. I think they're kind of sneaky with that veteran rotation. And Gallo is a guy who in 60 games could hit 20 home runs. Like that's not right. That's not impossible for him. It's so. legitimate. Yeah. I mean, that's actually like legitimate. That's not that's not even like try, us trying to make you laugh on the other end. I mean, he, he, he legitimately could. So, yeah, if he gets hot. I in hits 20, even like 25 home runs, I, I could see him winning the award if they get into the playoffs somehow. So those are the two guys I'm looking at in the AL. The NL Cy Young Award uh, odds out there, DeGrom, 2.8 to 1, plus 280. Looking here at Scherzer, 450, Flaherty, 800. Then you get into the 10 to 1 plus here in Bueller, Strasburg, 11 to 1, Kershaw, 12 to 1, Castillo at 20 to 1, Corbin, 25, Darvish, 25, Nola, 25, Bauer. 25. So those are all of your, you know, quote unquote favorites here at 25 and under when it comes to the Cy Young. Now, this is a little bit different to me, Brett, than us talking about the MVP. We know batting, even the very best batters in the entire world fail seven out of 10 times. It's not the case when it comes to pitchers. So I don't know if you're going to see me look at some of these longer shot dudes, unless there's somebody that I think is just wildly, grossly uh, priced incorrectly. Because one thing we do know about these top tier pitchers, and we even talked about that in our strategy as to how we're going to look at teams we want to bet on, maybe to win the World Series or win their league or whatever it might be. We know these top tier guys go out and perform year after year. Yep, absolutely right. And I didn't see anything in here in this like middle tier that I that I loved. I think you're going to see you know, the, the, the studs here, once again, because pitching is so much more predictive, like you said, they're just going to be right there in the race again with, you know, DeGrom, Scherzer, Bueller, uh, maybe, maybe Kershaw. We'll see. But yeah, I, I, I can't, even though like a Castillo at, at 20 to one, I can't, I can't get behind. He's just not, he's not in that same tier as DeGrom and right. Scherzer. I think the only one that, uh, you know, look, if you were, if you were kind of looking in that, in that, you know, little bit longer tier here, we did see, and this is, you know, you, you can, you can speak to this, but 
we did see Nola dominate in stretches. Like he would go out and have four, five, six great starts in a row. And then for whatever reason, he'd have like two bad ones in a row. And then it would kind of like be like a four and two rotation with him. But again, in this shorter season, could we see Nola just kind of stay hot there for the course of this really short 60 game season at 25 to one? I guess I don't hate having a Nola ticket because when he's dominant, he's dominant. Um, his problem was just consistency. Yeah, he would be a guy who could flash. He's got the stuff to do it, uh, certainly more than some of the other guys on this list. So I, I, guess I would probably go for a better price, even at 25 to 1. I'm not thrilled with that. So if you can find a better price on Nola, he'd be the one, I guess, in that second to third tier that I would, uh, that I would try to identify. Yeah. Other than that, guys, I mean, uh, look, it's not sexy, but I mean, it's, you know, DeGrom, Scherzer, it, maybe you throw a, a Strasburg or a Bueller in there. It's, it's likely to be one of those four it really is. I mean, it's yeah. just, they're just, they're just so good and so consistent. It like, it just, it really is. It's, it's crazy to say that, but I mean, the, those guys are just have been so much better th- than everybody else over the last few years, over the last few seasons. I guess the only one that I kind of like is Chris Paddock at 40 to one. Again, right. I, I would shop for a better price. I like the Padres quite a bit in this. Well, short he was dominant season. until uh, until the until uh, it was really fatigue, like you were talking right. about with him. Yeah, he's so got. And he's, he is nasty. So if the Padres if the Padres can win that division, which again, you know, who knows? They they have the offense to do it. If they can, if if he puts together a nice stretch here in this, you know, short what, 10, 12 starts, why not? I, I could see him. Uh, I might actually put it. Put some money down on Paddock. I kind of like that's that. actually I, I didn't even kind of see him hiding there, but I do like that one a lot because he was dominant, dominant at the beginning of last season. And really, it was just he had never thrown that much before. And as the season wore on, fatigue kicked yeah. in. But I mean, like you said, we're talking a dozen starts here. You know, if they really trot him out there a ton, 15, he was he was lights out through 15 starts last year. Yep. I mean, so, we're talking like sub one whip and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, um, yeah, that's a good one. I do like that one. Uh, probably a sneak a sneak a paddock into my account as well. I'm glad you pointed that one out uh, over on the American League side of things. No surprise in Garrett Cole, who is now a Yankee plus 265 Verlander at six to one sale at six and a half to one Clevenger 10 to one Snell 11 to one. Morton 11 to 1, Bieber 11 to 1, Glass now at 12 to 1, Giolito is at 18 to 1, Carrasco 20 to 1, Grinky, Kluber, Berrios are all at 25 to 1, and Ryu. So uh, all of them at 25 to 1. So a little bit more over in the American League to choose from when we talk about these kind of sub 25s there, Brett, that you know you would consider to be the quote unquote favorites to win. Yep. With you on that too. What do you think here from from that kind of group? I mean, look, I think it would be foolish to say that, yeah, it is definitely Cole's kind of award to lose here. I mean, we were talking about a dude that every time he stepped on the mound, I mean, the over under towards the end of the season last year, Brett, on Cole, every time he took the hill was like nine strikeouts. I mean, literally, they were. he was like predicted to get double-digit strikeouts every time he took the hill last year. It was such an incredibly dominant performance from him, and now he moves into an incredible lineup around him as well, so you have to think that the wins are going to be there. 
Um, at 265, I know it's again nothing you that really blows your skirt up or anything, but it's 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 going to take. I think it's going to take a fairly Herculean effort from one of these other pitchers, so long as Cole doesn't get hurt. Yeah, it's probably going to be Cole Verlander again. Would be yeah. You know, so I guess if if you like both those guys, take Verlander at plus six hundred. Other than that, yeah, there's not a whole lot I love here. Even like the Texas guys that I mentioned, Kluber at twenty five to one, no thanks. Lance Lynn at thirty to one, no. Um, and then Mike Miner. It's I guess Mike Miner at seventy, but then we're talking about Mike Miner winning the Cy Young, and that's that's not going to happen. So <laughs> I, 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 there's not a whole lot. I, I I probably will not have any AL Cy Young tickets in my account this year. Yeah, it doesn't look like I would either. Um, there's just nothing that's juicy enough for me. You know, some of these guys, like we were saying, like a Snell and a Morton, if we were talking more in that 2025 range, yeah. um, that would be appealing to me. But at 11, uh, just not there for me. We'll see if some of the other books, of course, when those odds come up, we'll talk about them here on the pod. The guy, Maybe some of these other books. The guy I love on that staff is Glass now, but at 12 to 1, seriously? I know. I, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm hoping for like 25 to 30 to one on him. Uh, I guess that's not going to happen. Yeah. I saw, I saw that. Well, like, yeah, wait a minute. Glass now is 12 to one. Like that makes no sense whatsoever for him to be that low. So maybe when they put, when they post it, some of these other books will uh, get a better number on him and we'll certainly point that out to you guys. So we look at rookie of the year over on the American league side of things here. Um, Brett and I are very familiar with all things rookies now uh, when it comes to both leagues because uh, MLB The Show has this just, um, you know, we, we, we're sitting here, Brett, this is just absolutely ridiculous how much we know about these guys that have <laughs> never played a single game. Uh, some of these guys that have never played at all in, in, the, in, the, in the majors because uh, we've been playing with these guys on the video game for now for the last couple of months. Yeah, uh, a lot of look these at all guys. these names we know. I mean, yeah, seriously, it's, it's I feel true. like I know these guys intimately. I mean, Robert Lazardo, Kopech, McKay, Mize, uh, Joe Adele. I mean, all these guys. Uh, so are, this are is guys. This is the market that we're really going to have to dive into because we don't know what their status is going into the season. Like, are they going to have like? legit roles or are they going to be uh, are these guys going to not really see time until next year so that's going to be very interesting to follow during spring training because i feel like there could be some value here if, if some of these guys at the top aren't going to get a whole lot of of playing time um like adele i don't i don't know what joe adele is i mean what kind of role is he going to have this season uh, i we have no idea so this is kind of a crapshoot for me right now but yeah i do recognize a lot of these names just because of our uh, our video game <laughs> our video game experience here during this uh, downtime i mean i think if we look at this right now the only thing we know and is i think it's reflected in the odds of the fact that that Robert Lazardo, Kopech, McKay are all expected to play major roles on, on the team. And of course, they're all under 10 to 1 here. Now, when they get to some of these other, I mean, listen, Vonder Franco sitting at 25 to 1 is one of the most hyped uh, minor leaguers there's been over the last couple of seasons, but we don't know how they are going to treat him, right? Like you mentioned, he might not play at all, right? And so sitting at, at 25 to 1, now, will teams be more loose with their rookies this year. We don't even know what these teams approaches are going to be. So I don't know if you want to kind of take a couple of flyers here because Brett, I think 
that we're seeing these odds reflective of the unknown right now. And once things start to play out a little bit through camp, I think we might see some of these odds plummet here. So maybe if you have one of these rookies that you really, really like for whatever reason, maybe, you know, you're a fan of the team and you've been following them. And so, you know, their talent or something, uh, I might go ahead and get something in my account before we get to camp, because, you know, if it comes out of camp instantly that let's just say whatever, you know, Madrigal is definitely going to make the team and is likely to lead off or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that changes the outlook on him drastically and you're not going to get 40 to one anymore. Yeah. And he's an interesting one because if he is in that lineup surrounded by so many big bats, he's a guy who could score. He could lead the league in runs. Who knows? I mean, the guy who's just going to get on base and, and, you know, just steal bases and, and score runs for you. So, yeah, a lot. This is definitely the most unknown market is, is the rookie of the year because we don't know what kind of roles these guys will have. But I do see a lot of I see a lot of Tampa Bay Rays on here that are very in- interesting to me with McKay and Bruhan and uh, and Franco. I like like you said, I don't think Franco and, and guys like Bruhan will be active to start the year. But who knows? The National League Rookie of the Year, Gavin Lux, if you have been paying attention at all, super, super hyped prospect for the Dodgers uh two and a half to one here as the massive favorite to win the rookie of the year you know he's going to be on the team you know he's going to play a major role and if he hits at all like he did in the minors that he is going to put up some stats here so you can see him coming in at two and a half to one Varsho is sitting at, at three to one Keller at seven to one uh Carter Keboom coming in at nine to one so some other interesting uh, names here on this list. I mean, we know Dustin May is on this list as well. 11 to one there. Um, so some of these guys here, whenever you look at this list are, are it's pretty interesting, Brett. I mean, we know that Nico Horner is likely to play a decent role there for the Cubs at 18 to one. So maybe, uh, you know, definitely Lux is, is your favorite and I get all that, but maybe there's a few names on this one that we can at least definitely point to the fact that they're going to at least get a chance. And, you know, maybe that's a little bit more wide open over there on the, uh, on the NL side, as far as like knowing a little bit more about these guys. Yeah, definitely. Lux will for sure have a role. I don't know about key boom. I, 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 I can't see him fitting in immediately. So I, you know, I'm not sure about him there. Just don't let Sixto Sanchez win the AL rookie of the year, please. Like that, <laughs> as much as I like Real Muto win the Phillies, if if Sanchez ends up as an ace, that's really that's really gonna sting. <laughs> Twenty five to one on Sixto Sanchez. If you're looking at him, uh, some of these other guys with that are really long odds. Don't get, they are huge prospects? Don't get me wrong, but they are not likely to see significant amount of time this season. So I would not be looking at these guys kind of in that 60 plus range because I can't see these dudes uh, getting enough time in the league to, uh, to get it done. Now we'll take a look at some of these other odds that have been posted uh, next week for baseball. And of course we're going to start breaking down every single one of these teams and how to bet them and what we see and all of that. So you're going to see that in in video form as well as written form and, and all that. So be sure and keep uh, on the lookout for that. We talked about the, RBC in golf last week and Brett I guess we could just say to the listeners you're welcome because <laughs> if you uh, if you tailed us last week you won all the monies and you are probably good for the rest of the golf season because it was a very very favorable tournament 
for not only me, but hopefully for the listeners out there, because uh, it kind of turned out almost uh, exactly like we were talking about it turning out. And that was very fortunate. Yeah, we talked about being it is it was such a great spot for Webb bouncing back off the missed cut returning home. And uh, those guys just went out and scored last week, man. I mean, he broke the he broke the course record. Uh, didn't like didn't answer break the course record. There were like five or six guys who either broke the or tied the course record last week. The scoring was out of control. Yeah, they dominated that course. There's uh, no doubt about that. And I mean, it is it, it was just such a great spot to get one of the really if you look at kind of the metrics here. Webb Simpson had been grading out by a lot of these guys who are smarter than you and me, Brett, when it comes to analyzing golf as actually the best player on tour over like the last, I don't remember what, I mean, I think it was like nine months or something like that or whatever, uh, heading into to quarantine or something like that. And so it was, you know, one of those situations where getting on a guy at, you know, nearly 30 to one, depending on which book you bet him at to bounce back after that miscut, they were just, he was getting disrespected because of that miscut and we took advantage of that opportunity. So we hit that outright. Uh, that was a a really good. I got it at twenty eight to one. So really enjoyed uh, being able to hit that. Of course, we talked about fading Jordan Spieth as well. That he played at kind of his home course there last week, which he has played incredibly well at throughout the course of his career, but had really been struggling, you know, of late. And that happened yet again this week. I was on the full fade of Jordan Spieth. Every single head-to-head where I could bet against him, I did. Won all of those. I bet all of the web head-to-heads as well. I went ahead and, and bet on Berger to continue on with what he was doing. Uh, bet on Bryson DeChambeau to finish in the top 10. Where I, Brett, I think this is something we should point out here as well. I mean, look, he's not winning a lot of tournaments, but Bryson DeChambeau, I think, is something that you might want to look at moving forward here. Maybe you take outrights on him if that's just kind of how you want to bet golf because he is always in play. But boy, this guy's a top 10 machine. You are able to bet top 10s over on DraftKings and FanDuel and stuff like that. And, you know, betting Bryson to finish in the top 10 is just, to me, a very, very good bet these days. This guy is really just locked in. Yeah, he's locked in. He keeps getting better every week. Like his, his all-around game. He studies everything. And yeah, the muscle. The guy leads. He's gonna. He's gonna break the tour record for driving distance. So he's he's the best player in the world right now. I don't. I, I don't know how you can look at what he's done and and say that he's not. He's just not the best. He's certainly been the most consistent. Uh, like you said, he's just a top ten machine. I think he's gonna win this week too. Uh, so I like it. There you go. You're not going to get a good price on him because uh, there's a lot of money. I mean, he's so popular with betters right now, so the price isn't great. But I still feel like because he hasn't been winning and closing these tournaments, there might be some value on him to win one of these tournaments. And I think this is probably a good start. Uh, Justin Thomas, we've talked about this before, and this is more from a DFS standpoint here, Brett. Um, And especially if you're ever playing these kind of single round DFS tournaments where You didn't get in for the full four round one, but they'll do, you know, just round two or just round three or just round four. Uh, Justin Thomas has just proven again to us that any given time he steps on the course, he can go extremely, incredibly low if things are working out for him. And then we saw it again this past week, which just just vaulted him 
right into competition where he wasn't even kind of on the radar there for the longest time. And then he can go out and shoot eight and nine under all. I mean, this guy, it's crazy how this guy can just go out and go lower than just about everybody in the field in any given round um, of a tournament. And so for these single day DFS tournaments, if you're into those, I think that Justin Thomas should at least be a guy that should be always on your radar because him going out and going six, seven, eight under is not out of the realm of possibility at any golf course on this planet. I need to go back in and look into this, but it feels like Thomas always seems to go low in the morning. Which I don't I mean, okay. I don't know if that's predictive or not, but maybe I, I don't know. I mean, if if the numbers if the, I mean, the numbers could prove otherwise, maybe it is predictive. But I it just seems like he's always putting up huge numbers when he's out in the morning. I don't know. Something I guess something to, to look into. And as you were watching, I at least want to bring this up because, there, you know, our listeners out there certainly following the big names. So, you know, look, don't look now. But uh, DJ went 15 under in this tournament. Brooks Kepka was right there in the mix on Sunday as well. When you were watching these guys play, is there anything that leads you to believe that they are quote unquote back? Well, motivated Brooks Kepka is scary. And, and I think this guy is just sick of not winning. You know, the narrative on him has been, he only cares about majors, but we're, we're start. I'm starting to see a little more drive out of him where he was just like showing up to these smaller events before and using them as practice. I think he's getting pissed off. We got all these big names in the field that he's playing against and he hasn't really been in contention a whole lot. So on the right course. Yeah. I, I think Kepka. Uh, we'll be right back as a betting favorite. Is he back? I, I I don't know. He was playing at such a high level last year in those majors. It was ridiculous. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him, seeing him back in, in that first major, though. Yeah, it is. Um, it, to me, I was seeing kind of some of that, what we saw from him when he was on those incredible yeah. runs, um, whenever I was watching him play those last couple of days of the tournament there. And so, yeah, definitely. And look, DJ, I'm not going to go ahead and say that he's back, but I can say all that stuff that we were seeing, you know, uh, heading into the heading into quarantine, it looked like he had started to figure some stuff out um, there towards the end of this tournament. I'm not willing to jump on him quite yet, especially not in head to heads or any kind of situation like that. But I will monitor what he looks like out there this week. And, you know, we see another good outing from DJ here. I might try to get on him a little earlier than everybody else is willing to, because, uh, you know, look, his name his it's so weird to say this is Dustin Johnson, who two years ago we couldn't get through, you know, a podcast or a or a breakdown of anything without bringing up his name. But he's not one of the sexy names anymore on tour. And so, um, you know, maybe we can get on him again before everybody else does. The talent has not gone away. It's it's still there. He just needs to put it together for four rounds. And yeah, he he looked he looked pretty damn good last week. And he's back on he's back on the tour this week. So if you like Dustin, bet him now before his price inevitably inevitably goes down. Because right. it was because it, it will. Uh, the travelers here. Uh, we have a nice little breakdown. A couple of them actually over on play picks. If you want to head over there, uh, TPC river highlands is the course we are going to be on this week. This is a short one guys, a uh, par 70 
6,841 yards. If you've been following golf, you understand that is incredibly short for these PGA tournaments that these guys are have been playing on, you know, for, for so long here. we got some bent grass on the fairways. This is a Pete Dye course. And um, it, it's something here when we take a look at this and uh, Brett, I'm, I'm not going to take away, you know, all the great work that we have over on the, uh, over on the, on the sites. And so be sure and head over there and read these breakdowns here. But one thing I will throw out there, and this is another kind of bounce back situation after he struggled this past week, after having a good week, I'm going to be back on Colin Morikawa this week. This is uh, you can get him outright at forty to one over on DraftKings if you want to go the top five or the uh, or kind of the top uh, ten route on him. I don't hate that either. But uh, here's my kind of thinking about this, and you let me know what your what your thoughts are here. I mean, you can get a a top ten on him at three hundred uh, at plus three hundred. These short courses where it doesn't necessarily favor you being super long, I think Morikawa is always kind of going to be in play, right? Because as long as he's able to hit a a a short iron or even a wedge or something into these into these greens, his iron play is so incredibly stellar that for me, I'm going to always look at him on these type of courses where it doesn't favor necessarily being a bomber. And on this short track here that, yeah, I mean, being a bomber is is great. It's always great. It's always an advantage. Don't get me wrong, but it's not one of these where the course is so incredibly long that you're not going to be able to get to these things. And you're always going to be hitting long irons in and things like that. uh, If you're short, uh, Morikawa is not going to face that this week. And so, you know, with his iron play at 40 to one or, and, you know, always going to be kind of in my in my pool of guys on these shorter courses. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's one of the best. With his irons in, in, in he ranks top five in greens and regulation. Uh, and, yeah, he's not he's not that short off the tee either. I mean, he can take advantage of uh, uh, when when needed. but. This is a this is a good course fit for him for sure. As we saw two weeks ago, uh, we talked about him as a you know, potential not long shot, but you know in, the, in that middle to lower you know yeah. lower middle tier type player. And you're getting a much better price on him this week than you did last week. And again, it's a short course, it's a par seventy. Uh, you don't need a whole lot of distance to navigate this. So I could I could t- I could definitely see Morikawa if not winning uh, a top five again. Uh, is is certainly in play. And I think that we're getting some pretty good and and I think that we're getting some pretty good odds on him as well, because after the struggle last week, you know, had he done it again last week, Brett, after, you know, showing out two weeks ago, we're not getting 40 to one on him this week. And so I'll take advantage of, of being able to get him at 40 to one because he had a bad performance. Yep, definitely. Uh, real quick to end things out here, guys. Um, Avery Bradley not going to be making the trip to Orlando. His son has a respiratory illness. He doesn't want to put him in harm's way there. Now, uh, Brett, Avery Bradley started 44 games for the Lakers this year. So this is not like a guy that was insignificant. I mean, he did play. He started 44 games for the Lakers. Contavious uh, Caldwell-Pope is likely to be the replacement in the starting lineup. Looks like they might sign J.R. Smith. He's not going to play very much, but um, to fill the roster spot. But does this change your thought at all 
on the Lakers that a, a starter, you know, I mean, we're not, again, it's, it's not LeBron, it's not AD, but I mean, it's still, it's a starter is not going to be there for them as they head into Orlando. Not really. I mean, is this going to move the market? No, it, it does matter a little bit, maybe just because of the depth and his value on the defensive side of the ball. But that's where I was going to ask, like, you know, I'll put it this way. Does this at least narrow the gap in your mind between them and the Clippers or them and the Bucks because of what Bradley does for that team on the defensive side of the ball? Sure. Yes. Yeah, um, that's kind of my thought as well. I think people are kind of downplaying because he doesn't have like gaudy stats of what he actually means to this team because he helps out in other ways. And so uh, I don't know, I'm going to dig into this a little bit further, but uh, maybe narrows the gap in my mind a little bit between them and some of these other teams, not insignificant. I'll put it that way. Nikola Jokic tested positive for the COVID as did Novak Djokovic. And here's a shocker, Brett, they were hanging out together and then they both got the COVID. I mean, that's kind of how it works, right? <laughs> this Djokovic thing. What a, what a moron. Seriously. But uh, just going back to the NBA, we're, we're going to keep seeing more of this. Uh, and yeah. it, it's it's going to have an impact on the outcome of the NBA finals. It, like Basketball comes second to health. And it's all it's going to take is for one player to test positive during the season. And then, you. I mean, that could dramatically impact the rest of that team. And then even the league. Like who played against that player? Like it's, it's, it's going to be very, it's going to be very interesting. It definitely is. And we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll keep, keep you up to date on any odds changing, you know, due to any of the things that come out from over there in Orlando as well. And uh, to put things to bone things here, Brad, I mean, we don't talk about this enough and I just wanted to, for our listeners out there, I mean, we, we, we talk all the time about, about Vegas. We talk about Jersey and we've even started talking about Pennsylvania a lot more, but you know, we don't talk a lot about, Iowa and Indiana and West Virginia and all these places that you can still currently bet, you know, online and with your, with your app and stuff. And so, you know, if you live in any of those States, just, you know, and you're, and you're listening out there, you have options. And, you know, if you head over to the lines, you can actually see those options that are available to you. And the, even though there's not as many in, you know, as it is in, let's say Colorado, where we've, you know, we've talked about Colorado a, a ton as well here, but, um, you know, there are still options for you over there and there are still companies that are competing for your business. Yeah, and there's more coming too, especially Colorado. There's going to be a, a bunch more on the way. But yeah, Iowa has several right now. Indiana, uh, Illinois, the first online sports book launched there last week, Bet Rivers. You're going to see more like DraftKings and Fandle uh, arrive there, hopefully before football season. West Virginia has been online for quite a while now. They've got DraftKings and Fandle down there. Um, and hopefully on the way here uh, by October, probably between October and the Super Bowl, we're going to see Michigan go online. That's the next big state that will have online sports betting legally. And uh, that's that's one that we're keeping an eye on pretty closely at the lines and uh, our sister sites at Play USA and LSR. Yeah, so be sure and check out those articles on Michigan if you live over there. And, and whenever that does come on, just, just hit the lines because we always do have the very best uh, uh, sign-up bonuses. And you might as well take advantage of those. Free money is good. We've talked about this plenty of times. We don't have to keep telling you that. Uh, free money is good. Again, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you want to follow and rate and review us, guys, we really do appreciate it over on the Twitter. At the Lines US, at PlayPix US. Brett is at Brett Colson. I am at Matt Brown M2. For Brett, I'm Matt. 
Talk to you guys next week.